Dragnet. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. We offer you Escape. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and welcome to Episode 3 of Retro Radio Theater, featuring a full hour of programming from the golden age of radio. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts or visit us on SeniorResource.com, your number one source for retirement planning, caregiving tips, and living your best. This time, it's two comedy radio episodes, The Jack Benny Program with Jack Benny and all his gang, and Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Ask comedians today, including Jerry Seinfeld, of their career inspiration, and many will name Jack Benny. For over half a century, Jack Benny was one of the great comics of stage, screen, radio, and television. He was the past master of the long take and knew how to milk a laugh. On his long-running radio and television programs, Benny was depicted as a miser who hoarded every penny he made. Year after year, he denied he was older than 39 and honed his persona of a vain penny pincher, which was in stark contrast to the warm and generous human being he was in real life. Benny knew he could be funny by applying a simple policy. Let others around him deliver the punchlines. He discovered early on that it didn't matter who got the laughs on the Jack Benny program, as long as people were talking about how funny it was. In this episode, Jack decides to buy a new suit. Here's Jack Benny and all his gang on the Jack Benny program from May 7, 1950. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky's are milder. And science provides the proof. Yes, scientific tests prove Lucky Strike is milder than any other principal brand of cigarettes. Test after test produced conclusive evidence of Lucky Strike's greater mildness. But that's not all. 
These scientific tests are confirmed by independent consulting laboratories, and they prove... Lucky Strike, mildest of six major brands tested. There's no doubt when you light up a Lucky, you get a smoother-smoking, milder-tasting cigarette. And you enjoy the rich taste of fine tobacco because... L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco that gives you more real, deep-down smoking enjoyment. So for the rich taste of fine tobacco, for smoothness and mildness with never a rough puff, light up a Lucky. Yes, prove to yourself what scientific tests prove. Lucky Strike is milder than any other principal brand of cigarettes. Make your next carton Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, it isn't often that our star goes out on a personal appearance tour. But having decided to go, a lot of preparations have to be made. At the moment, Jack is in conference with Steve Bradley, his publicity man. Yes, sir, Benny, this is the greatest idea you ever had. You just listen to me and we'll pack every theater from the sun-kissed shores of California to the rock-bound coast of Maine. But, Steve... What an idea. Hand me that phone. I'll order the posters right now. We'll have billboards all over the country. <laughs> but, Steve... Look, Steve, look, I've never been billed that way before. Jack Benny, the platinum ball of fire. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I've never worked with fans or balloons. I'm way ahead of you, Benny. Now, instead of fans or balloons, you'll come out in a blue spot and do your stuff with two violins. What? At the end of the dance, the violins open and pigeons fly out. <laughs> Pigeons? Certainly. We gotta do something to take their attention away from those skinny legs of yours. Now look, Steve, I'm not gonna go for any of your crazy. Excuse me, there's someone at the door. What a silly idea. Jack Benny, the platinum ball of fire. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. Come on in. Where's Rochester? That's what I'd like to know. Last night he asked me if he could have the evening off. I haven't seen him since. Well, Jack, maybe he. Steve! Steve Bradley. Mary, Mary Livingston. Long time no see. <laughs> Mary, Mary, you know Steve Bradley? Well, certainly he was my publicity man when I worked at the May Company. <laughs> no. Yes, sir, I gave this little girl one of the most extensive publicity campaigns in my career. In two short weeks, I raised her from the bargain basement to the stock encounter on the fifth floor. <laughs> well. And this, mind you, during the heat of a presidential campaign. All right, all right, calm down I don't doubt that you're a great publicity man But you'll have to think up another stunt for me I'm not going to go for those pigeons uh, What's that supposed to be? I don't know, Steve's got some ideas about my personal appearance tour He wants me to work with pigeons <laughs> Well, I think that's a great idea <laughs> What are you laughing at? I could just see the finale A pigeon swoops down, takes off your toupee And lays an egg in it <laughs> Mary, this is going to be a high-class show Just wait till you see it 
You know, we open Wednesday night in Pasadena. By the way, Steve, how are they doing at the box office? Great, great. I had 50,000 tickets printed up. I'm going to need another 50,000. 50,000? How do you expect to sell all those tickets? Easy. On the face of the ticket, instead of printing Jack Benny, I put Rose Bowl game. <laughs> What? They're going like hotcakes. Uh, Steve, we're not going to do our show at the Rose Bowl. We'll be at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. And I better book something into the Rose Bowl. It'll be jammed. <laughs> now, look, Steve, are you working for me or... Mary, would you get that, please? Okay. Hello? Well, lucky me. Every time I get a wrong number, it's a dame. <laughs> Phil, it's me, Mary. Okay, okay, you're not a bad number either, Liv. <laughs> well, thanks. Jack is busy right now. He'll call you back. Well, look, Livy, I'm not at home. I'm at the photographer's. Steve Bradley called me this morning, told me he had an idea he was going to talk over with Jackson, but in the meantime, I should rush down and have publicity pictures taken. So tell Jackson to hurry. I can catch cold standing here like this. <laughs> What? These pigeons ain't keeping me warm. <laughs> okay, I'll tell him. Jack, Phil wants to talk to you. All right, hand me the phone. Here. If a pigeon answer hangs up. Hangs up? Instead of Pasadena, we should be playing in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Hello, Phil. What? Hello, Phil. <laughs> Mumbles Livingston's getting hard to follow, ain't you? <laughs> Jackson, I want to talk to you about the band arrangement on that personal appearance tour. You got a minute? Sure, what is it? Well, look, uh, how do you want my orchestra to dress? In blue suits or sport clothes? Neither, Phil. I want them to wear evening clothes. Look, Jackson, the only evening clothes they got are pajamas. <laughs> what? And they can't wear those. Half the drawstrings are missing. <laughs> look, Phil, let them wear whatever they want. But look at uh, uh, but have Sammy Now look, have Sammy the drummer In a blue suit Because he'll be sitting up high Okay And Phil, when I'm out on the stage Telling jokes I want your boys to act As though they're enjoying it It looks good to the audience Oh, I already took care of that, Jackson I even thought of the people In the balcony So I painted a smile On the top of Sammy's head <laughs> Oh, wonderful <laughs> Another thing, Dad We're gonna have a little problem With Remley A problem? Yeah, but everything will be all right If we let him sit behind the piano but, Phil, I want to look like we've got a big orchestra. Why shouldn't Frankie sit out in the open? Because every time a spotlight shines in his face, he jumps up and yells, I didn't do it! I didn't do it! No. The only way we can calm him down is to beat him with a rubber hose. <laughs> Phil, I'm busy. Arrange the orchestra the best way you can. So long. So long, Clyde. Don't forget to bring the hose. <laughs> that Phil is the craziest guy. Hey, Benny, while you was on the phone, I got a sensational idea. Huh? Oh, Nelly. Now, listen. When you get to Milwaukee, it'll be the start of fire prevention week. Yes, yes, yes. So for a publicity stunt, we'll have you jump from the top of a 12-story building into a net. It's never been done before. <laughs> what do you mean it's never been done before? Many people have done stunts like that, jumping off a building into a net. 
A hairnet? <laughs> what? Maybe the publicity. Why, the paper will be full of it. Not only the story, but the pictures. I can see the flowers now. Now cut that up! <laughs> I want my publicity simple and dignified. So, you... now who can that be? Come in. Oh, hello, Jack. Hello, Barry. Hello, Don. Hello, Don. Come on in, fellas. Hello, boys. <laughs> hello, boys. Hello, hello Barry. Barry. They talk. <laughs> Don, Don, they talked. It's the first time I ever heard them talk. Mary, Mary, they talked. Hello, fellas. Mm. It's too good to last. Now, Don, I know you brought the boys over to try out the commercial, but I'm busy right now. Steve Bradley, my publicity man, is laying out my personal appearance tour. You know, I open in Pasadena Wednesday night. Wednesday night? Oh, darn it. I wish I could go then. Why can't you? I bought two tickets to the Rose Bowl game. <laughs> You'll still see my show I'll explain it to you later Now take the boys home, will oh, you? Oh, but Jack, this will only take just a minute Now, the reason I want you to hear the commercial Is because for the past few weeks They've been singing popular songs And this time they have something classical Something that even Toscanini would be proud of Toscanini? Well, all right, Don Steve, this will only take a minute We can talk later Don, what's the title of this thing The boys are gonna do? Ponchielli's Dance of the Hours From La Gioconda Well <laughs> This we've got to hear. <laughs> Take it, boys. Scientific tests prove they are the best. Lucky's yes, lucky. Are smoother than all the rest Milder by test Gee, this is beautiful <laughs> Let's light a lucky Cause there is never a puff Mary, give me your handkerchief That ever is Great number. Well, thanks, Jack. Well, we got to be running along now. So long, Mary. So long, Don. Bye, fellas. Goodbye, Goodbye Mary. Mary. So long, fellas. Mm. 
Get out of here. <laughs> now, where, uh, where were we, Steve? Is there any other idea you've got for publicity? Just one. What is it? When we arrive in Kansas City, I want you to walk down the street, play on your violin, and lead a thousand cows into the slaughterhouse. <laughs> Into the slaughterhouse? How do you know they'll follow me? Follow you? They'll be pushing you. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Oh, Jack. What? When you go out to buy a wardrobe for your stage show, I'd like to go with you. Wardrobe? Well, certainly aren't you going to buy some new suits? Mary, I just bought a new suit. In fact, you were with me. Jack, that was in 1936. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> I haven't even started to wear the second pair of pants. <laughs> but maybe you're right, Mary. This suit I'm wearing now is old enough to send to Fred Allen. Hey, hmm? wait a minute, Benny. Wait a minute. You gonna send that old suit to Fred Allen? Yes, why? That's a great human interest story, Benny. It'll be the biggest thing since that panhandler asked you for a dime and you gave him 50 cents. <laughs> Steve, don't mention that in this house. It's costing me a fortune in dishes. Now, look, Steve. Oh, for heavens. Come in. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. Look out for these firecrackers. Dennis. Dennis, what are you doing? I'm celebrating the 4th of July. The 4th of July? This is only the 7th of May. It is? Well, certainly. Boy, this daylight saving time sure has me mixed up. <laughs> Look, kid, don't blame it on daylight saving time. You're always mixed up. What'd you come over for, anyway? Oh, I came over to warn you about a new quiz program. It's a fake. A new quiz program? Uh-huh. I answered every question right, and they didn't even give me a refrigerator, a Bendix, or anything. Well, what station is it on? Oh, it isn't on the radio. These people ring your doorbell, come right into your house, and ask you questions. <laughs> Dennis, that was the census taker. Census taker? Sir, every 10 years, the government goes all over the country counting noses. Why don't they just count people? <laughs> what? Suppose somebody does have two noses. It won't throw them off much. Look, <laughs> kid, counting noses is just an expression. Oh. Oh, hello, Mary. I didn't see you. I know. I was hiding. I don't blame you. Neither do I. Who's he? This is Steve Bradley, my publicity man. Oh, yeah. You know, my father does that kind of work for Universal Studios. He does? I didn't know that. Sure. Right now, he's publicizing a picture called Coca-Cola for Mark Anthony. What? It's a sequel to Champagne for Caesar. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a cycle now. They're working on a new one called Strongheart for Lassie. <laughs> now, Dennis, I, I got to go and buy some new clothes. Now, let's hear your song you're going to do on the program. Okay. And when you finish, I want you to... Wait a minute, kid. Hold it. Well, what's the matter? I just heard the back door open and close. It must be Rochester sneaking in. Oh, Rochester! Yes, boy! Is that you sneaking in the back door? It ain't Georgie Jackson! <laughs> Rochester, come in here. I want to talk to you. Yes, sir. Now, Rochester, last night you asked me if you could have the evening off, didn't you? Uh-huh. Now, that was last night. Now, it's 11 o'clock the next morning. Uh-huh. Now, where have you been? Well, boss, we're going away soon, and some friends of mine on Central Avenue gave me a farewell party. Now, wait a minute, Rochester. Every night this week, you've been to a farewell party. It's the same one. We just adjourned during the daytime. <laughs> what? When the gold of the day meets the blue of the night, I go where the wild goose goes. 
Well, well look, Rochester, I haven't got time to talk to you. Now, I got to listen to Dennis sing his song. Let's have it, kid. Just a minute. Dennis, give me that firecracker. Okay, here you are. Now, go ahead with you. Ow! <laughs> silly. Go ahead and sing. good, Dennis, and now that you've used your beautiful voice to win yourself back into my favor, would you do something for me? Oh, sure, Mr. Benny. What is it? Go home. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I gotta run along, Benny. See a man about those pigeons. Look, Steve, you can forget it. I'm not gonna do a striptease act with a bunch of pigeons. Okay, okay. I'll be at the office if you want me. Jack, if you want me to go downtown with you to pick out a suit, we better go now. Okay, Mary. Oh, Rochester, where's the car? In the garage. Well, come on, we want you to drive us downtown. Yes, sir. Jack, why don't you keep your garage cleaner? I'll straighten it up someday. Come on, get in the car. Go ahead, start the car, Rochester. Yes, sir, but first I gotta get a little water. Oh, is the radiator dry? No, I'm taking an aspirin. I know what's coming. <laughs> Never mind that. Just start the car. Yes. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> it worked. 
works every time. <laughs> Try it again, Rochester. Yes, sir. <laughs> There we are Say, Jack There's something wrong here Why is the car leaning way over to the left? I don't know Rochester, why are we leaning over to the left? Remember last week when you sent the car to the garage To have the wheels aligned? Yes Well, only three came home <laughs> Starring Claudette Colbert Stop being silly <laughs> How, how can a car run with a missing wheel? I strapped a roller skate under the axle. Well, slow down when you cross the car tracks. Well, here we are, Mary. There's the store across the street. Rochester, there's a parking space. Where? Between that truck and the convertible. But I can't get into that space. It's too small. Well, put our bumper up against the truck and push it. Oh, boss, calm down. Well, Miss Livingston and I will get out here and you find a parking space. Yes, sir. Here's the store, Mary. Let's go in. Well, let's see. Where is the, uh... Hiya, bud. <laughs> What's new? Huh? Oh, hello. Hello. Come on, Mary. Let's get it. Uh, who was that? That's that racetrack tout I'm always running into. Now, let's see. I wonder... Oh, good afternoon. May I help you, sir? Yes, yes. I I'd like to buy a new suit. I don't blame you. <laughs> what? I'm Mr. Kearns, and I'll be glad to show you our new spring line. Good, good. But first, tell me, what is the price range here? Oh, our suits start at $25 and go up to $150. Well, I, I wouldn't want to wear anything as cheap as $25, and yet I wouldn't want to go way up to $150. I understand. I'd like something in the middle, say about $30. <laughs> Jack, why don't you get a good suit for a change? After all, you're going to wear it on the stage every night. Stage? Are you an actor? Well, yes, 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 I am. My name is Manasha Skolny. I mean, Jack... <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Honey, I just happened to be thinking of him. I was reading him. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jack Benny. Oh. Now, Mr. Kearns, uh, what, uh, what color suit would you suggest that I get? Huh? Well, now, a lot of men select a color to match their hair or their eyes. Let's see, uh, your eyes are blue, aren't they? Bluer than the lips of a schoolboy at 40 below. <laughs> oh, Jack. What is it, Mary? Here's a very pretty suit. It's gabardine. Oh, good, good. I like gabardine. Oh, I'm sure that suit would look very nice on you, Mr. Benny. Yes, but it's $45. Huh? Well, there's a whistle in the pocket. <laughs> care so much about that, but I think I'll take this. Oh, suit. fine, fine. I'll go upstairs and get our tailor so he can measure you for any alteration. Thank you. Thank you. Say, Mary, I'm going to walk to the back of the store see if there's anything else I'd like. Won't you join me? No, I'm tired. I'll just wait right here. Okay. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Grease paint. 
Da-da-da-da-da-da, count the house. Da-da-da-da-da. Yep, that gabardine suit will look nice. $45, though. Oh, well. There's no people Hey, like Bud. <laughs> Bud. Huh? Come here a minute. Who, me? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm buying a suit. What kind? Gabardine. Uh-uh. <laughs> what? Get a wool suit. Why, why should I get wool? On account of the pants. They're great in the back stretch. <laughs> but I, I like gabardine. Look, I'm telling you for your own good, get wool. But, uh, Don't take my word for it. Look at the breeding. The breeding? It's out of Mary's Little Lamb by Baba Black Sheep. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to buy a gabardine suit and that settles it. Okay, it's your dough. What a guy. Whenever I run into him, oh, I have Oh, there you are, Mr. Benny. Yes, yeah, I was just looking around. Well, I'd like you to meet our tailor. Mr. Benny, this is Mr. Nelson. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do? Now, I don't want to seem impatient, but but I'm in a hurry. Can, can we get on with the measuring? Why, certainly. Mr. Nelson, do you have your tape measure with you? Yes. Now, hold still, little man. Little man? You're buying the one with the whistle in the pocket, aren't you? <laughs> Look, Mr. Nelson, just take the measurements. Very well. Collar, 16. Collar, 16. Shoulders, 18. Shoulders, 18. <laughs> chest? Chest? Well, how did it get way down there? Never mind that. A right sleeve, 34. Right sleeve, 34. A left sleeve, 21. <laughs> left sleeve, 21. You want people to see your wristwatch, don't you? Well, stop wasting my time. Oh, by the way, Mr. Benny, would you like wide or narrow cuffs on your trousers? Well, what's the difference? Well, there really isn't much difference, but most people prefer the wide cuffs. Why? Well, haven't you had it happen that you accidentally drop a coin and it falls into the cuff of your pants? No. <laughs> he always catches it before it hits the ground. Yes. Now, Mr. Nelson, when will my suit be ready? In two weeks. Two weeks? But I wanted it for my personal appearance. Well, I'm sorry, but it'll take two weeks. You mean I can't have my brand new suit for my opening in Pasadena? No, but if you like, we'll run an ad in the paper telling them you bought one. <laughs> well, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to buy the suit at all. But, Jack, if you don't have a suit to wear, what are you going to do about your personal appearance in Pasadena? I'll show you. Let me use that phone. Hello, Steve. Buy some corn. We're going to use those pigeons after all. <laughs> Come on, Mary. Let's get out. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment, but first... In a cigarette, mildness and enjoyment go together. So light up a Lucky, because Lucky Strike is milder. 
Yes, scientific tests prove Lucky Strike is milder than any other principal brand of cigarettes. These scientific tests are confirmed by independent consulting laboratories, and they prove Lucky Strike, mildest of six major brands tested. And no wonder. It takes fine tobacco to make a fine cigarette, and... L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. So for a milder-tasting cigarette with never a rough puff, Smoke a Lucky. You'll enjoy the smooth, rich taste of Lucky's fine tobacco. You'll prove to yourself what scientific tests prove. Lucky Strike is milder than any other principal brand of cigarettes. Try a carton of Lucky Strike. I'm glad I didn't buy that suit from those smart aleck guys in that store. Oh, Jack, forget it. Gee, I wonder where Rochester parked the car. I guess we'll have to walk clear around the block to find it. No, we won't, Mary. Wait a minute. I got something here that'll bring Rochester right to us. Jack, you didn't take... Right out of the pocket. (laughs) Those guys aren't going to push me around. Come on. Be sure to hear Dennis Day in the Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Stay tuned to the Amos Mandy Show, which follows immediately. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's the Jack Benny program from May 7th, 1950, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Eddie Rochester Anderson, Dennis Day, Phil Harris, Mel Blanc, Sheldon Leonard, Frank Nelson, and Don Wilson, sponsored by Lucky Strike, as heard over CBS. We have more than 100,000 classic radio episodes under license from the owners and estates and are provided the master recordings. Through special arrangement with the rights holders, these radio episodes are heard on this podcast and sent to members of the Classic Radio Club. Support this podcast by joining the Classic Radio Club, where you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent to you each month via digital download or on five CDs, along with historical liner notes. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio shows for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about joining the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. That's 815-900-7535. I'll have a comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks with Eve Arden for you after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. 
In total, you'll receive 34 Classic Radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. In January 1948, CBS developed the then-titled radio comedy series Our Miss Booth with stage actress Shirley Booth, later TV's Hazel, recording and audition pilot. When Booth decided to leave the project, the lead role in Meet Miss Brooks, now retitled, was open again. Executives offered the role to Lucille Ball, but she had to pass because she was under contract as star of the radio series My Favorite Husband. Wanting to help, Ball suggested Eve Arden for the role, which led to an audition. CBS signed Arden as star in what was eventually retitled Our Miss Brooks, a situation comedy that would span nine years on radio and four years on television. The series centered on Connie Brooks, a smart, sharp-witted, lovable English teacher at Madison High School. Between gentle wisecracks, Miss Brooks doted on nerdish student Walter Denton, played by Richard Crenna, and frequently locked horns with crusty, cranky Principal Osgood Conklin, played by Gail Gordon. Many plot lines revolved around Miss Brooks's longing for Philip Boynton, played by Jeff Chandler, and later Robert Rockwell on TV, the school's bashful biology teacher. The rest, as they say, is history. Ironically, it would be Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz's company, Desi Lou, that would later become the production company for the Hour Miss Brooks TV series. In this episode, Miss Brooks may have the measles. Here's Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks from October 1st, 1950. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. Once again, for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, after putting in a good day's work at school, most teachers are content to spend a restful evening at home. But Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, is so popular that she's often called upon to share in the neighborhood social life. And a gay round of activity it is. Take last Thursday evening, for example... The couple who live next door to Mrs. Davis and me invited me over to their house right after dinner. They just wouldn't take no for an answer. Friday morning at breakfast, I discussed the events of the past evening with my landlady. It was nice of the Fletchers to ask you over last night, Connie. Did you have a good time? It was the maddest social event of the season, Mrs. Davis. The Fletchers went to a party, and I sat with their seven-year-old boy until he got sleepy. (laughs) Well, at least it gave you something to do, dear. And Tommy is a good little boy. Good, but dull. He's a kind of an in-between age, you know. What do you mean, in-between? He's too tall for nursery rhymes and too short to rumba. (laughs) Well, how did you entertain each other? We didn't. They have a television set. (laughs) What did you see, Connie? Well, I can't say exactly, but when I finally put on my pajamas and went to bed, I felt naked without spurs. (laughs) 
Of course, I must admit I get a big kick out of them myself. You, Mrs. Davis? Yes, indeed. When I was a schoolgirl, we lived in Texas, and I did a lot of riding. Really? From our house, I had to take two trolleys and a bus to get to school. <laughs> but tell me about Tommy. Did you have any trouble getting him to bed? Well, a little at the beginning, but fortunately, I found a book by Dr. Gregory Enton, the famous child psychologist. I just applied his method, and Tommy was in bed five minutes later. What method does Dr. Enton recommend? Pulling the plug on the television set. <laughs> pretty relieved when his folks got home, though. Tommy didn't look too well last night. What was wrong? I don't know. His eyes were kind of red, and he seemed a little warm. Could be a cold coming on. Oh, he probably was run down. Colds are all a matter of resistance. That's why I like you to eat a good breakfast every morning. Now, here, eat this cereal. I crushed some fruit in with your popsies this morning. Oh, no wonder these popsies were so peaceful today. Usually they crackle, bark, and snap at me. <laughs> what kind of fruit did you put in? Two kinds. I just can't seem to remember what they were, though. Mrs. Davis, you are the most absent-minded person I've ever met. Oh, I don't know. There must be somebody worse than I am. <laughs> oh, of course there is. I was just exaggerating. I wouldn't hurt your feelings for the world. You know that. Of course I do, Connie. Um, hurt my feelings about what? <laughs> About anything as trivial as some fruit Fruit? There are two kinds in my cereal this morning Good, that's the best way to eat it <laughs> But you better hurry if you want to be ready When Walter Denton comes to drive you to school Oh, Walter isn't picking me up this morning He's got an errand to do for his father but I've got time to catch the 8.15 bus. I don't know about that, Connie. What do you mean? My watch says five minutes of eight. Your watch is fibbing. It's 8.20 right now. What? Oh, then I'll be late. Mr. Conklin will kill me. I've got to run this minute. Thanks for breakfast, Mrs. Davis. Goodbye. Goodbye, dear. Now, why should my feelings be hurt? Because she put fruit in her cereal. <laughs> Why are you coming to school so late? Well, I might ask you the same question Well, don't Besides, I've got a good excuse I can blame it all on the 8.15 bus Well, what happened to it? It was on time <laughs> Oh, they'll do that every now and then But I'm afraid you won't be able to kid old Marblehead out of... I mean, Mr. Conklin's a bug on punctuality I hope he doesn't catch you Catch me? What about you? You're just as late as I am Over two minutes Yeah, I know, I had a flat well, let's get going, Miss Brooks. We might as well march to the guillotine together. Fine. We couldn't ask for a nicer day for a double header. <laughs> now, just be as quiet as possible after we get up the steps. Let's go in, Miss Brooks. Now, if we can just sneak past Mr. Conklin's office. Yeah, here it is. Let's tippy-toe. Right. Gosh, I'm scared to death. Oh, relax, Walter. We're only a couple of minutes late. That could happen to anybody. You certainly are calm in our time of danger, Miss Brooks. Well, it's the only way to be, Walter. There's no sense in getting panicky. But what if Mr. Conklin comes out of his office? If Mr. Conklin comes out, I'll merely smile and say good morning, Mr. Conklin. Well. Good morning, Mr. Conklin! <laughs> What an enthusiastic greeting. 
But may I remind you, Miss Brooks, that this school is in session, and what's more, it has been for some time. However, I'll deal with you first, Denton. You have exactly ten seconds to present your reason for this tardiness. Begin. Walter, it's like Time's this. up. <laughs> had a fair trial, I'll mete out your punishment. <laughs> you, sir, will report to the athletic field after school today, and you will bring with you a long plank and a penknife. What are they for? You're going to fill the high jump pit with shavings. <laughs> the hard way. But, Mr. Conklin... Case dismissed. Now go to your class at once. Yes, Mr. Conklin. Bon voyage, Miss Brooks. And now, it's your turn. My penknife's all rusty, Mr. Conklin. Besides, I should be in my classroom. I've appointed my daughter Harriet as monitor of your class, so there's time for your punishment. Miss Brooks, by a rare coincidence, I've written, in longhand, a ten-page speech entitled, The Early Bird. You will type it up neatly in triplicate and have it on my desk by noon today. You want me to type ten pages in triplicate? I don't chew my cabbage twice. <laughs> Me either. If it's cooked enough, once is usually plenty. <laughs> Pay attention, Miss Brooks. At 12.30 today, I am addressing the Goodfellows Monthly Luncheon, a group of which I have recently been elected Best Fellow. Oh, congratulations, Mr. Conklin. It isn't every fellow who can be elected Best Fellow of the Goodfellows. <laughs> So right. And today marks my 30th consecutive meeting without once being tardy or absent. This breaks the former attendance record of 29 consecutive luncheons and makes me the new champion. I'd give anything to see you crowned. <laughs> I'd like to be there when you read your speech. I'm afraid that's impossible. It's just for good fellows. But if you can keep a secret... <laughs> I will let you in on something. They are presenting me with a solid gold pocket watch today. How do you know, Mr. Conklin? It was suggested at the last meeting. And I'm happy to say my motion was almost unanimously carried. <laughs> now then, here are the pages I want to type for Miss Brooks. I've got to get back into my office. Yes, Mr. Conklin, I'll do the best I can. Remember, Miss Brooks, by noon sharp, those papers must be on my desk. And let this be a lesson to you. Good morning. It's a dandy. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Mr. Boynton. Now, I just stepped out of the lab to get some things in the supply room. Did you just step out of your class? No, I haven't stepped in yet. <laughs> I was a little late today, and Mr. Conklin just caught me arriving. What did he say? Quite a bit. But boiled down to an hour, it adds up to my having to type a ten-page speech for him in triplicate. He's got to read it at his club meeting today. Well, that isn't fair. I don't approve of disciplinary measures that relieve him of work that's rightfully his. I agree that it's a great imposition, but there's nothing I can do about it. Well, it certainly is an imposition. My goodness, I've got some biology papers that have to be typed by tomorrow morning, and I'm a poor typist. I wouldn't think of asking anyone to do it for me. Huh? <laughs> it wouldn't be fair for me to expect another teacher to stay after school and work with me on my notes in the biology lab. Of course it would. In fact, it would be an imposition for you not to expect someone to help you. But you just said... Who are you going to believe, what I just said or me? <laughs> Mr. Boynton, I know of a teacher who'd love to type those notes for you. But it would mean staying here quite late. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the, 
The office in my lab is terribly small. I hear you talking. <laughs> oh, we'd be jammed in there for hours, and the lighting is pretty bad, too. Yum, yum. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't ask anybody to put up with that, could I? Don't hesitate a minute. Do you really mean it, Miss Brooks? Do you honestly think I should ask someone to help? Ask, ask. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll go ask Miss Enright to give me a hand. Oh, Miss Enright can't possibly do any typing. She's, she's letting her fingernails grow. It's for a part in a dramatic club sketch. She's playing the role of Fu Manchu's mother. Well, say, I don't like to mention this, Miss Brooks, but while you were talking, I noticed that your face seems quite flushed. You got several red spots on your neck. Don't tell me I'm blushing in polka dots. <laughs> I don't want to alarm you, but I'd like to take you to the infirmary right now. Why, Mr. Boynton, this is the first date you've asked me for in weeks. No, no, I want the nurse to take a look at you. Have you been exposed to anything contagious lately? Just Mr. Conklin. That is, uh, what do you think I've got, Mr. Boynton? Measles. Measles? Where could I possibly catch a childish disease like measles? I haven't been around any kids since last night. Last night? Tommy. Who's Tommy? There's no time for details, but he's the author of Hop Along Brooks Hops to the Infirmary. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment, but first, here is Vern Smith. Reader's Digest reports the results of one of the most extensive experiments in dentifrice history. Yes, Reader's Digest reports the very same research which proves brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate Dental Cream stops tooth decay best. And here are additional important facts. Over a two-year period, the Colgate way stopped more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentifrice history. Yes, the Colgate way of brushing teeth right after eating stopped tooth decay best better than any other home method of oral hygiene. Even more important, there were no new cavities whatever for more than one out of three who used Colgate's as directed. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, has proof of such results. The best results ever reported for a dentifrice of any type. And you should know that Colgate Dental Cream, while not mentioned by name, was the only toothpaste used in the research reported in July Reader's Digest. Yes, Colgate Dental Cream, and only Colgate Dental Cream, was used in this research. So always use Colgate's to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. And when you follow the Colgate way, Colgate Dental Cream stops tooth decay best. Well, I didn't relish the idea of standing around in the hall chatting about measles, so I let Mr. Boynton guide me toward the infirmary. He told me he had had measles before, so he wasn't afraid of catching them from me. Judging from his attitude in the past, he was safe even if he hadn't had them before. <laughs> He's never gotten close enough to me to catch a dangerous glance. Here we are, Miss Brooks. Uh, let's step into the waiting room. The nurse must be inside. Say, isn't that stretch snodgrass lying down on the couch in the corner? Well, yes, he seems to be reading. Really? I didn't know he could. He's not much of a student at that, but he's a fine athlete. Come on, let's see what's wrong. Hi, Stretch, old boy. What are you doing on that couch? I'm lying on it. <laughs> I like 
can answer like that. It has integrity. <laughs> Where's the nurse, Stretch? She's in the back room with an emergency case. An emergency case? What's the trouble? Well, we were having a little early practice today, and there was an accident. The nurse is trying to patch things up temporarily, but it don't look so good. So far, she's had to take 12 stitches. Oh, that's terrible. Who's injured, Stretch? Our football. <laughs> it's all busted up. But the nurse says she can straighten it out pretty good. She's had some experience in plastic surgery. Great science, plastic surgery. <laughs> well, I'm going to get up now. Nurse Fenton ought to be about done with the ball. Oh, don't get too close to Miss Brooks, Stretch. There's a chance she has the measles. Oh, that's all right. I can't catch him. I had the measles when I was just a punk. Stretch, I had the measles when I was just a punk. Well, how could you get him again? <laughs> you know, I could do without today very nicely. Here you are, Stretch. The patient recovered beautifully. Hey, swell. Thanks a lot, Nurse Fenton. Well, I gotta be going now. You better take a look at Miss Brooks. Hope you get better real quick, Miss Brooks. Thanks, Stretch. Hello, Miss Brooks, Mr. Boynton. What seems to be the matter? Oh, I don't think it's anything, really, but I just... Wait a minute, Miss Brooks. Look at that face. What's wrong with it? (laughs) Those little blotches. It looks like measles to me, nurse. You may be right, Mr. Boynton. You're a little warm, too, aren't you, Miss Brooks? Just a little. Well, that could come from any number of things like being in such close proximity to Mr. Boynton here. But we'd better take your temperature. (laughs) Just to make sure. Now, put this thermometer under your tongue. There. How's that? That's fine. Good. Now, just sit there and be still for a minute. Okay. Well, Mr. Boynton, we don't see much of you down here in the infirmary, do we? No, I'm a pretty healthy specimen, I guess. I'll say you are. How do you keep yourself so fit? Oh, I don't know. Clean living, I suppose. And considerable exercise. I play badminton whenever I get the chance. Do you really? Now, isn't that funny? I just adore badminton. You do? I bought badminton pool. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say, Miss Brooks? I said I love badminton, too. Put that thermometer back in your mouth, please, Miss Brooks. Okay. (laughs) Perhaps we could play together some evening, Mr. Boynton. Well, perhaps we could. How would Thursday night be for you? Sounds all right. Well, Bobby. What's that? I said Thursday's great for me, too. Miss Brooks, will you please keep that thermometer in your mouth? Okay, okay. (laughs) I'll tell you what, Mr. Boynton. Why don't you come over to my place for dinner Thursday evening? Oh, I'm sure I'd enjoy that very much. About what time? How 6.30? 6.35 for big. <laughs> Quiet, please. I'm sure we'll have a nice time, Mr. Boynton. I've been wanting you to meet my husband. Hot dog. <laughs> Watch that thermometer. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. At the word husband, it just flew out of my mouth. <laughs> Miss Brooks, we'd better not take a chance. If there is any contagion, the students mustn't be exposed to it. Now go right home and get into bed. Bed? I'll see that the board sends the doctor over. And meanwhile, be sure to keep your room nice and dark. It's very important with measles. I still don't see how I could catch anything like that. After all, I'm a semi-grown woman. Are you absolutely certain that you never had the measles when you were a child, Miss Brooks? Positive. We were very poor. (laughs) Here, Miss Brooks. Let me slip another...
another pillow behind you. Thanks, Harriet. It was nice of you and Walter to bring me home. Oh, don't give it a thought, Miss Brooks. <laughs> it beats staying in school. And don't you worry about your condition, Miss Brooks. There's nothing to it. I had measles when I was a kid. Thanks, Granny. <laughs> I brought you a box of marshmallows. It's just something to keep you company while you're in bed. That's nice, Mrs. Davis. We'll chat for hours. <laughs> Before we go, Miss Brooks, I want you to know that the whole class chipped in to buy you a little present. Oh, they shouldn't have done it, Walter. Wasn't that sweet, Mrs. Davis? What did they get me? The afternoon papers. <laughs> just what I've always wanted. <laughs> I'm afraid Miss Brooks won't be doing any reading for a while. I've made sure of that by removing all the bugs. Oh, but Mrs. Davis, I... know I... you, Connie, give you an inch and you'll read all day. Harriet, please pull that window shade down. All right, Mrs. Davis. Well, this is clubby. Gosh, it's so dark in here you can't see two feet in front of you. So what? Who wants to sit around looking at feet all day? <laughs> I, uh, I'll have to ask you children to leave now. I want Miss Brooks to get some rest. Okay. We have to get back to school anyway. Hurry up and get well, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Goodbye, Miss Brooks. Goodbye, kids, and thanks again for everything. <laughs> it certainly was thoughtful of them to bring you the newspapers, wasn't it, Connie? Yes, it was. Do you think I could just light a match and see what Terry and the pirates are doing? <laughs> Absolutely not, Connie. Come in. Oh, it's Mr. Boynton. Oh, hello, Mrs. Davis. Hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Mr. Boynton. Goodbye, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> oh, 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 you really must excuse me, folks. I've got some things on the stove. Oh, certainly, dear. Sit down, Mr. Boynton. Oh, thank you. I'll close this door first. We don't want any light to get in, do we? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll just find a chair and... <clears throat> Here's one. Say... This is comfortable. Where did you get this new sponge rubber chair? Sponge rubber? Mr. Boynton, get up. What's wrong? You're sitting on my marshmallows. <laughs> it's all right, there. There's no damage done. They're wrapped in cellophane. Just dropped by to see how you were feeling. I feel fine, Mr. Boynton. Oh, good. Then I can get right back to school. I feel terrible, Mr. Boynton. <laughs> Maybe you'd better take my pulse. Well, how? I can't see your wrist. Wait, I'll send up a flare. <laughs> no, I I'd better not stay too long, Miss Brooks. You know how Mr. Conklin feels about fraternization between faculty members. And if he found out that I left school in the middle of the day to come to see you... Oh, he... relax, Mr. Boynton. He won't find out in a million years. Are you there, Miss Brooks? Time certainly flies. It's Mr. Conklin. What should I do? Just sit perfectly still. He may not see you. Come in. Well, Miss Brooks? Close the door behind you, please, Mr. Conklin. I don't want that light shining in my eye. You will. Now then, Miss Brooks, how do you expect me to make a speech without my notes? Oh, dear, I brought them home with me, but I didn't get a chance to type them up. You see, Then I for just... heaven's sake, give me back the papers I gave you. I've only five minutes to get to that luncheon. Let's see, I put them right on my nightstand. Here they are. Just reach out, Mr. Conklin. All right, all right. Confound it, I can't find your hand. Where's your hand, Miss Brooks? Try lower down on my arm. <laughs> I've got them. Good day, Miss Brooks. 
What are you doing in bed in the middle of the day? <laughs> oh, haven't you heard, Mr. Conklin? I have the measles. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, Miss Brooks. If there's anything I can do to... Measles! Great <laughs> Scott! I've never had them before. I'd better get out of here. Oh, just a minute, Mr. Conklin. You can't leave now. Gad! It's affected her voice. <laughs> Please, sir, Mr. Boynton, at the risk of incurring your displeasure, I must request that you don't leave the premises. Now, I'd better close this door. What's that? Well, you see, if you've never had the measles before, you might have contracted them just now. You mean Miss Brooks might have given me the measles? It's entirely possible, Mr. Conklin. She wouldn't dare. <laughs> Mr. Boynton's right. After all, measles are contagious. You wouldn't want to start a panic in the streets. There's no reason for any panic. The good fellows are waiting for me with the gold pocket watch. I want that watch, and I mean to get it. Now, no one knows that I've been in this room except the three of us. <laughs> I'm glad he doesn't hold my mortgage. <laughs> now, look, Mr. Conklin, just to get a little gold watch, you wouldn't want your fellow good fellows to get the measles from you. Boynton, no one has ever gotten anything from me. You can say that again. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Conklin. In the interests of civic welfare, I can't allow you to leave this house and expose the community to measles. Old man, how would you like a brand new Bunsen burner for your biology laboratory? Careful, Mr. Boynton. He sounds like he's edging toward the door. Yes, sir. A nice new Bunsen burner. Eh? Sorry, Mr. Conklin. I advise you not to try to leave here until... Oh! He got away. I don't think he'll get very far. He ran into my closet. <laughs> Conklin, have a nice trip. Miss Brooks, it may interest you to know that you have just destroyed my last chance for setting an attendance record at the Goodfellows' luncheons. Once a month, for three long years, I have been eating that revolting cream chicken in a patty shell with just one thought in mind, a gold pocket watch. Well, don't feel too badly, Mr. Conklin. You can take another crack at the record in the coming three years. Oh, Connie, your school nurse is here to see you. Come right in, Mrs. Fenton. Well, what's all this? Visitors? I am no visitor. I'm a prisoner of war. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. The doctor's out on a case, Miss Brooks, so he asked me to take another look at you. Would you lift that shade, please, Mr. Boynton? Oh, certainly. Why, Connie, your face is all cleared up. Why, yes. Yes, the spots are all gone. It couldn't possibly have been measles. Did you hear that, Mr. Conklin? We don't have measles after all. Now she tells me. When it's ten minutes past my gold watch. Well, if it wasn't measles, what did I have? Probably just a little allergy rash. Are you allergic to any particular foods? Only strawberries. <gasps> strawberries. That's what I put in with your popsies this morning, Conklin. <laughs> then that was it. Just a little temporary strawberry rash. Did you hear that, Mr. Conklin? All we had was a little temporary strawberry rash. You're very generous. I'm, gl <laughs> I'm glad you came to the infirmary, though, Miss Brooks. An ounce of prevention, you know. Ounce of prevention? Why did you tell her she had measles, you Mrs. Fenton, you? <laughs> Please, Mr. Conklin, I'm sorry about your missing the luncheon and the gold Forget watch. about it. What's done is done. I ask just one favor of you all. Don't ever mention it again. I don't want anything to remind me of my loss. We understand, Osgood, and I'm sure we'll all cooperate. 
Now, how about staying here for lunch, folks? I have enough for everybody. Well, oh, right, that's a wonderful idea. idea. What are we having, Mrs. Davis? Cream chicken over patty shell. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all together, folks. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. We should live so long. <laughs> Our Miss Brooks returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight? Yes, tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Luster cream, world's finest shampoo. No other shampoo in the world gives you K. Dumit's magic blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Better than a soap... Better than a liquid, Luster Cream is a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair three ways lovelier. Fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen. Soft, manageable. Even in hardest water, Luster Cream lathers instantly. No special rinse needed after a Luster Cream shampoo. So gentle, Luster Cream is wonderful even for children's hair. Tonight? Yes, tonight, try Luster Cream shampoo. Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl, you owe your crowning glory to a luster cream shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, we all had lunch and were just finishing our coffee when Mrs. Fenton put down her cup and leaned toward Mr. Conklin. Pardon me, Mr. Conklin, but there seems to be several small blotches on your face and neck. Blotches? Blotch- what kind of blotches? Big red ones, like I had. Correction, Miss Brooks, like you have. They seem to have come back. Come back? Mrs. Davis, were there any strawberries in that cream chicken? Oh, this is absurd. I've never been allergic to anything in my life. Well, you're never too old to start, Osgood. It might have been those patty shells. I'll get it. This thing has me worried. Some of my friends have allergies, but nothing like this has ever happened to me. I don't know why I could Hello? possibly be... Yes, this is Miss Brooks. What? Oh, I see. Well, thanks for calling. Well, we don't have to worry about any allergies, Mr. Conklin. We don't? No, sir. The lady next door just called to tell me that the little boy I sat with last night is in bed with a bad case of measles. <laughs> Next week, tune into another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Doctors prove palm olive soap can bring you a lovelier complexion in 14 days. Yes, 36 leading skin specialists proved in tests on 1,285 different women that palm olive soap facials, using nothing but palm olive, brought new complexion beauty to two women out of three. Just wash your face three times daily with palm olive soap, each time for 60 seconds, massaging palm olive's beauty lather onto your skin. Then rinse and pat dry. So start your palm olive facials today. Remember, doctors prove palm olive soap can bring you a lovelier complexion in 14 days. Be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
And that's Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden from October 1st, 1950. Also in the cast, Jane Morgan, Richard Crenna, Gail Gordon, Jeff Chandler, Leonard Smith, and Gloria McMillan, with Bob Lamond announcing for Colgate and Palmolive, as heard over CBS. After this short break, I'll give you our lineup for episode four of Retro Radio Theater. Next time on episode four of Retro Radio Theater, it's two drama radio episodes, Dangerous Assignment and X-1, so don't miss it. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts or visit us on SeniorResource.com, your number one source for retirement planning, caregiving tips, and living your best. Retro Radio Theater is a copyrighted series produced by yours truly, Carl Amari, for Retro Entertainment. Mike Costella is the executive producer. We invite you to support this podcast by joining the Classic Radio Club. Members receive 10 classic radio shows via digital download or on five CDs each month, along with historical liner notes. Learn more at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. See you next time, and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.